Uh, good morning. How are you? Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And as you do, uh, let's pull up, Benjamin, let's just pull up the title slide and leave it there for a moment, okay? There we go. Everybody say that title with me, Praying for the Improbable. Now, I, I'm aware uh, that there are there's some feisty faith people in the room that that almost balk at the idea. Hey, wait a minute. The, I'm going to go after the impossible, not the improbable. That's my point. That's my point this morning is uh, to talk about that and to maybe nuance and encourage us to, to, to pray a little more boldly than maybe we have or maybe I have. Maybe this, me- this morning's message is only about me. And uh, if so, then maybe I'll grow up a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Again, just leave that there for a minute, bub. Uh, let me read it to you in the New American Standard. Here's, what, here's Paul writing, and he says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. I, I, let's just read it slowly and hear it out loud. Can you say with me far more abundantly? Would you say it out loud with me? Far more abundantly. But he doesn't stop there. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Can you feel, as you read that slowly or hear it, can you feel Paul is not hyperbolizing. He is not engaging in exaggeration language. He's speaking under the unction of the Spirit very deliberately. But he is using, like, you know, he's throwing all the noodles at the wall. He is using the largest, most inclusive, aggressive language at his disposal to describe something. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. This passage tells us something. You can go to the next slide, Ben. This passage tells us something about who God is. That's important. This, tell, this passage tells us or at least reminds us of something about who God is. Because, and we'll get to this in a moment, but our image of God, our, our perception of God, and not only His ability but His nature will affect or determine our approach to Him. What you believe about God will determine how you obey, how you pray, what you think, will determine your countenance, your perspective, your attitudes. Everybody's a theologian. People say, well, I'm no theologian. If you have any opinion about God, you are a theologian. Your opinion, your perception about God determines the way you live. That's theology. This verse helps us with our theology. This verse tells us something about God, and then this passage invites us to approach Him accordingly. My wife and I sometimes sound different when we pray. We're not the same. 
all the time. And it's probably related to our personalities. My wife is spontaneous. I'm not sure if you knew that. <laughs> my wife likes things that sparkle. My wife is spontaneous and she lives, if you're, uh, if you're into counseling or psychology, my wife lives very healthily from primary emotions. Secondary emotions are the things that we have to, 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 to cover for or to disguise the fact that we're not comfortable with our primary emotions. <laughs> Mrs. Dab doesn't live there, okay? Mrs. Dab lives in primary emotions, and so she's very healthy. Uh, and uh, she's very spontaneous, and she, is, uh, she's, and she bounces back, and she's, re- she's ready to go. It's not that she doesn't plan. No, 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 no. She loves to plan. In fact, I, in terms of uh, people in my life, she's probably one of the finest uh, strategists and long-term planners that I know. It's just that the distance between aim and fire is very short. There's ready, aim, fire. It's all true. Now me, I'm I'm a little bit a little bit more about preparation. I now this is not in construction terms, pal, so I don't need anybody to roll me under the bus, but I measure unless I'm building something and then forget about it or cooking something and then forget about it. But uh, I measure. I I calculate and then, I, and then I meditate, and then I prepare, and, and, then, and, then, and then I journal. And then, and then I draw it out. <laughs> yeah, you've been there with me. Then I draw it out. Then I, then I go pray about it. Then I over-talk it. Then I buy a book. I prepare. For me, it's ready. Aim. Fire. Now, I'm using me as an example in order to not use the threatening you or the ubiquitous unlanding we. I'm using myself as an example to try to inspire you, but I'm not, of course, but I'm not inviting you to write me notes about, you know, self-improvement. Well, here's how you can change. Simmer down. That, that comes out in how we pray. She and I had this conversation the, the other day, and it was, it was really delightful. It, was, it really was. She will often, I mean, she'll sometimes, without any preparation at all, she will just burst out in some grandiose prayer. Can you believe that? And I'm thinking, well, sh- no, the, it, it's, it's a joke on me. It's okay. Uh, so, uh, but I'm thinking, look, before, you know, I'm going to, look, I mean, uh, my response, and I said this too in the car, so you don't, you know, not, now it's out. I said, she'll just launch out in some grandiose prayer, and she hasn't even spent three hours praying in tongues first. How is that? How is that possible? <laughs> She'll just burst out in this thing, and and it and 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 it doesn't and it doesn't even make sense. 
I mean, it's not reasonable. It's not measured. I mean, whether it's someone's pet or they need a, the car broke, well, let's get them a new one. Or let's just, uh, they just need a new house. Or, pow. <sighs> and then, meanwhile, easy there, Leon. Yeah. I will say she's slightly more measured or guarded if I've brought up, you know, more kids, but. But see, I, on the other hand, I will oftentimes pray something measured or even stoic at times. And that comes because I was raised by a man that many of you don't know um, because you just know the man you know now. But I was raised by this interesting blend of Darth Vader and Spock. (laughs) Never, listen, never a raised voice, never a raised voice, but... You know, deep, but deep voice and control and calm, and it's not a problem. Optimistic, but just never, you know, like, well. You know, I would come home, and I'm like, ah, oh, I hate math class. And he said, you know what? You know what, son? Sometimes we do things we don't like. You know, math will teach you to think. Just stay with it. So obviously I had a really good dad, but I was just raised by this kind of measured, stalwart, stick-with-the-stuff kind of a thing. My mom, you know, raised in Montana, and it's cold, and, you know, they didn't have any money, but they had soap, so she'd always said, you're never too soap, you're never too new poor to be too, to be dirty, you know, to be clean. We can always afford soap and water. Everything had to be cleaned. I mean, it was this kind of, a, of this optimistic, stalwart thing, and that affects some of my approaches to prayer. Like, uh, you know, I, 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 I will pray something measured or stoic sometimes now listen in case you're wondering this is not a matter of praying that what is possible that is settled all things are possible the the miraculous to me is a given it's a reality miracles make sense I'll pray for your healing, I'll pray for your deliverance, I'll pray for your spirit baptism, I'll welcome prophecy. All those things make perfect sense to me, and I'm ready to go after them immediately. My problem isn't considering what's possible. I think I just have a habit of praying the probable. Not unbelief. Just measured expectations. What do I mean by praying the probable? Bub, keep an eye on there. We go. What do I mean by praying the probable? I mean, when we by praying the probable, I mean measured expectation, curved enthusiasm, or reasoned anticipation. You can pray some pretty good prayers with reasoned anticipation. I mean them. You know, Lord, Lord, you know, bless, you know, bless my friend today. Give them, give them a good and healthy day at work. Let it be prosperous, Lord. Be with them. Give them, give them success in what they do. All those are reasonable prayers for me. My kids be safe and happy at home today. Those are reasonable prayers. But praying the probable has to do with Approaching prayer, I'm going to say this carefully and I think it's going to be written down. Praying the probable has to do with approaching 
my prayer time or prayer moment with preconceived notions that I bring with me. And in those preconceived notions, sometimes conscious or subconscious, I, de- I determine what is probable and not probable based upon my frame of reference before I actually pray. Reason prayer says I'm going to bring with me a frame of reference. But what's that first click? Is that there? No, it's not there. Okay, that's why I'm just saying it. That's fine. Okay. Uh, I bring with me to a place of prayer my frame of reference, and that frame of reference quietly tells me what's likely, what's what's probable or not probable. But there's a problem praying the probable. Would you say it with me? There's a problem praying the probable. Praying the probable falls short of the nature and will of God. Praying the probable falls short of the revelation of Jesus. It falls short of the revelation of Scripture. You know, if you just let the Bible, you open up the Bible and read it and read what Jesus did, read what Jesus said, read what the apostles write in the epistles, if you just let the Bible speak, you don't have to amplify it, you don't have to say it louder, you don't have to, uh, to, to massage it to make it sound terrific. The Bible, all by itself, is radical. It makes incredible radical, unrealistic, improbable claims on every page. All by itself. Don't ever try to mute it. But you don't even have to try to turn it up. It is powerful. It's challenging. So when I I cannot come to the Scripture and let it speak to me as its own voice and then respond to that with some sort of cautionary prayer life. I can't. Or I shouldn't. Praying the probable forfeits the opportunity and responsibility we have to significantly see heaven invade earth. God's agenda, God's agenda for your life, for this church, for this city is larger than a cautionary prayer life. God's intent, God's passion for us is measured by the price that He paid for us and the power that's been poured out in the Spirit. And in in response to that, we must understand that heaven has a grandiose intent to take over the planet. And when I choose to pray cautionary, probable prayers, I forfeit the full agenda of heaven. Thirdly, the problem with praying the probable is that it trains us to steward the status quo. Praying the probable eventually takes the shine off of hope. Hope is the the confident, joyful expectation of good. That's kind of the the Bible dictionary of hope. 
okay, uh, the definition, the joyful expectation of good. But praying the probable, praying probable prayers eventually numbs our hope. Praying probable prayers eventually atrophies our expectations. We begin to have managed, reasoned expectations that, that, are, that more accommodate and harmonize with our frame of reference. And eventually prayers and expectations that simply harmonize with our disappointments. But what I mean by praying the improbable. Praying the improbable is about praying big, bold, aggressive, and intimidating prayers. I mean tossing out the measuring tape before you pray. Prayers that ask for and imagine on earth as it is in heaven. Why should we pray for the improbable? Why should we? Because those kinds of prayers honor God's nature and will. Coming back to our central text this morning. Praying the improbable, praying bold, aggressive, intimidating prayers honor the nature of God, especially and particularly, not uniquely, but particularly as it's revealed in Ephesians 3.20. Let me read it again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. That, that's one of those passages that for some people has become so familiar that's almost a rhythm or a poem and, and the, the edge, the shine of the passage is less, uh, less discernible because of familiarity. Now to him who is able. This, uh, this one of my friend Doug Ose who was a part of the ESV translation team Tried and the and the New Living tried hard to argue for them to change that, because he believed that it should read now to him who has power over all things. Now that's that's there in our text as well, but the flavor of it is so much more of dominion than able. You and I hear able, then that doesn't that doesn't make us you know have whiplash. But the text is much more, much, has much more strength to it. And that's why all these words are here to try to help us understand. He has power over all things to act or to perform and to do so in a measure or in a manner that is far more abundantly beyond. He has power over all things to act in a manner that is beyond the furthest degree of measurement. He has power to perform 
in a manner that exceeds capacity to measure. And specifically in relationship to beyond all that we could, listen, ask or think. To ask in the text, in this passage, it has the feel of bringing a a bold expectation. You might say demand, although we don't like to use that word with God. But it's bringing an expectation to Him. He has power to do beyond, in a manner that cannot be measured, beyond anything that we could bring to Him in terms of expectation. Furthermore, in case we haven't got the full force of it yet, He said, ask or think. That word, that there means to literally, not just to think about or to consider an idea, it means to form a mental image of something that is not yet. Literally, to imagine. God has power to do beyond, power over all things, to do in a manner that exceeds capacity to measure more than anything, any expectation you could bring to Him, or anything that you and I could even imagine Him doing, He has power to do immeasurably more than that. There's just so many words to say. So let me just say it maybe more succinctly. And and I wrote it down there. I wrote it down in your handout. Paul is giving all praise. See, that's the thing. All all of that ends up. This is actually just an expression of praise. He's just celebrating that this is true about God. And again, what what our understanding, our belief about the nature of God will influence or should influence our approach. So Paul is giving all praise forever and ever to the one who Paul says has power over all things to act immeasurably immeasurably beyond any expectation we bring to him or anything that we might imagine that he may accomplish. This tells us something about God's nature and invites us, it challenges us, it dares us, it requires us to approach him accordingly there is nothing there is it the the whole bible but if we just looked at the new testament the way that the new testament describes and prescribes prayer to us is nothing less than something absolutely radical and powerful there is nothing ho-hum or measured about the way that the New Testament describes or presents prayer. It is, it, is, it is universally presented as something radical, amazing. That is the, o- that is the only biblical perspective that we, are, we are going, that we should or are permitted to have toward prayer. Here's just a handful of examples. Really quick, you can jot them down. Many of you know them. But for example, Jesus says in John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. 
And I know, and the truth is, and evangelical scholars, and I'm not trying to pick on them, I hope to be one, but evangelical scholars will quickly, it's like they, 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 they run out of breath quickly to say, ah, 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 what Jesus really meant was, hey, don't, get, don't, don't take him too seriously there. They're just trying to prevent people from getting disappointed. So they, they, every, every commentary, every one of them will begin to ease and measure your expectations. Meanwhile, the matchless son of God stands up and says, throw them away. Throw away your measurements. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Jesus. The next chapter, he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have already received them and they'll be granted to you. Luke chapter 18, verses 7 and 8, Jesus is telling a parable to teach his followers that they should, that they should keep praying and not give up. That they should keep praying and not, if, if they face disappointment or setback, not reach for a measuring tape to reevaluate their prayers. Luke 18, he says, Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. And here's the caveat. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Or will he find people guarding their measuring tapes? How we pray really reflects our deepest perspective of the nature of God, not his ability. I don't think there's anybody, if you showed up here today, you probably believe there is a God. And if there is one, he probably can do stuff. It's not our confidence in his ability. It's our trust in his nature. Praying for the improbable honors the one who has power over all things and the ability to do far more abundantly than those. Secondly, we should pray for the improbable because those prayers change us. If you want to change the way that you think, if you want to change the way that you your, your attitude, if you want to change the way that you talk, your perspective, your countenance, you want to change your internal climate, your internal thermostat in your life, if you want to change your behavior, if you want to change your life, change the way you pray. Prayer is the single most effective tool for spiritual formation in our life. Now that's why I started with prayer honors God. Prayer, prayer, this it's an act of worship. It's the only praying big aggressive prayers honors the God who presented himself that way. Secondly, prayer affects us, it changes us. Praying for the improbable will lead to me, to you personally. You will take greater risks. 
you will live with a more vibrant hope. You will have a more exercised faith and you will have a more informed faith. Because if you start praying improbable prayers, you're going to be reaching for faith fuel a lot more often. <laughs> you're going to, your Bible will be closer to you. You will, you, yeah, okay. You, if we pray, give ourselves to praying the improbable, we will, we will find that gossip and negativity is a luxury we cannot afford. It won't, you think, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I can't entertain that. There's too much riding on integrity and honesty before the Lord. You start praying improbable prayers and it'll change the way you connect with people around you. I... Because I need you with me. I need you with me. I don't, have, I don't have the time or the luxury to allow insignificant, mundane, earthly things to come between us and have conflict and therefore forfeit the power of the faith-building agreement that we might otherwise have in prayer. It'll change you. Praying the, for the improbable will develop in your own life a more positive and opportunistic mindset. You'll start seeing and saying and imagining and enacting solutions instead of being the expert in the problems. It will lead to a life of boldness and enthusiasm. Thirdly, we, if we will pray in, for the improbable, praying for the improbable will change the climate around us. Exactly because of what we just said. Because we change the climate around us. If we all begin to participate, then the thermostat in the room begins to change. To hope and to anticipation. The dialect of the community changes. Our language changes. Our metaphors change. It's not it, the idea of we don't joke. We don't joke about lack or poverty or, or what's killing us or what's broken us or what we can't afford or I'm so broke I can't even pay attention. All that nonsense goes away because we can't afford it together. And we start talking about hope and possibility and affection and positivity and faith and how big God is and how good God is. We start being a place where people dream and we start being a place that resonates as such a battery of hope that people cannot keep themselves from here. Why don't we pray? Why, why don't we? What happens? Well, Oftentimes, again, we are just too informed by our own fear or disappointment to pray for the improbable. Or as soon as we begin to pray for the improbable, we hear the voice 
of reason. The voice of reason that says, well, now that's, that's not really practical. That's not really likely. Sure, it's possible. That's not a question. Possible. All things possible. Hallelujah. Have you heard yourself say something like that? And intending to come across, come across as mature or spiritual? Right? Well, I mean, I know all things are possible, but really I'm just being realistic here. That I mean, it's possible he could rise from the dead, but it's been a couple of days. I think we should just lean into, you know, the goodness of God and we'll just trust that he causes things to work together and he'll just stay in the dirt. Four days later, uh, Jesus and his, his homeboys are on his way to go see Lazarus. Well, you know, he's been in there four days. He probably stinks by now. Maybe we just, you know, maybe the miracle is just a good lunch. <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. Let's all cry. She's not dead. She's asleep. That's ridiculous. Jesus, it's ridiculous. Be realistic. Where are we going to get enough food for all these people? And then right between aim and fire is Mrs. Dab with a sack lunch. Here's some. <laughs> and me saying, honey, just put that, put that down. Reasonable. It's Jesus, honey. He'll think of something. Shh. I'll call Uber Eats. Just the voice of reason kicks in, and then we we end up just stewarding the status quo. And standing idly by as we observe the slow demise of hope. But there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake. There is too much opportunity in front of us. To settle for the probable. There is too much need around us to settle for the probable. And here it is. God is too big. God is too good to only pray for the probable. Ultimately, we should pray for the improbable, so that we will see the improbable become normal. We should bring confident, bold expectation to the one who has power to do far beyond what we could even imagine him doing. 
This will all result in greater praise to God because He is glorified by responding to our prayers for the improbable. So let's pray for His blessing. Let's seek and pray for His favor. Let's pray for His power over our families. Let's remove the measuring tape and pray. Let's pray. We pray. We pray. We, we're praying. Yeah, long term we say, Lord, we want to see what it looks like if 10,000 people are born again in this town, in this county. But there are 400,000 in the county. Lord, we pray that you would not just raise up a church, but raise up a city. Raise up a system of churches and congregations around the region. Lord, help us to pray the improbable. Well, we've just not seen that before. Then now's a perfect time. Well, it's never happened before, and that's why it's going to work. Jesus is the chief one who, and when he did stuff, they, they glorified God, and they said, we have never seen this before. Lord, we pray for families. We pray for generations to come back together. We call for an end to the generational divide. We call for an end to the generational divorce where one generation abandons another in hostility and arrogance thinking they don't need one another. We call for an end to that, that they be woven together that one generation shall declare your works to another. We call for families to come back home, for marriages to be restored back to their biblical design, that people stop faking it and forcing it, that they repent before God and live like Christ. Christ commands them to. That we call for children to come back home. Stepchildren to come back home. Foster children to come back to where they belong. We call for grandchildren to come back. Husbands and wives to come back together. We call for radical change. I know it's not very probable. Well, it's been this way for a long time. It's time to change all of that. We call for addictions to come down. For signs and wonders and miracles to become to be restored to the place where they are normal. You know, in this in the scriptures, they they had signs and wonders, and they did them so they could just talk about loving one another. See, miracles were normal so that they could live lives of worship and ethics. Lord, we pray. That people would be stopping so afraid of the idea that we need to get people free from the dominion of the devil and unclean spirits. We don't need to break out of Ouija boards and have spices and candles and weird stuff, but people got to get free. Things, principalities have got to come down. Broken hearts and heavy souls can be lifted up. Minds that are confused, people that are heavy, it doesn't have to stay that way. You don't, we don't have to live under brokenness or under lack or under poverty or any of that stuff. Let's change the way we pray. This morning, let me ask you to stand, please, as we close.
please lean into these moments as we wrap this service up. Who needs to pray about some improbable things? Who needs to? God bless you. Can't even keep it rhetorical at the altar. I love this church. Love it. Who needs to pray about some improbable things? Anybody? Does anybody have anything improbable that you should pray about? Is there anything improbable that you can pray about this morning? I want us to build an altar of expectation. I mean it, an altar of expectation. An altar is a place of, where something dies and where something happens. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of encounter. Let's build this morning an altar of expectation. Let us put to death stoicism, realism, and cynicism. Let us put to death our fears, our disappointments, and our past pains. Put to death tyranny of the probable. And let's pray for the improbable. Will you build an altar of expectation together this morning? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be praise and glory forever and ever. Anybody need to pray about, anybody want to, anybody should pray about something improbable. You've got an improbable in your heart, in your mind, in your life today. I want you to come and join me at this altar of expectation. Come on, move from where you are and let's build an altar. Let's come before the Lord together. Let's let some things be surrendered to the Lord and let's meet Him in a place of expectation. Come right up here, please. Let's come right up together. This is real. We're, this is an altar where God's going to meet us here this morning. God's going to meet us here. We are responding to the, to the, the, the nature and person and power and promise of God. Yeah. As soon as we all feel comfortable coming near, I'm going to have some folks that are coming to come help me. I'm not saying that you don't got a probable to pray for, but maybe you, you just feel like maybe you're carrying a gift of faith that you can help pray this morning. Or you're just willing to believe God for something. Or maybe you fought some good prayers and you're ready to help me pray. I need some people that can help me pray. Okay? If you got it on you, come help me pray. Come, come find some folks around here in the front. And let's just pray. Aaron's going to take up the volume just a little bit. And uh, we're going to believe God. I don't need to in talk or have a counseling meeting with you. But you just begin to tell God what you need. Bring to Him whatever you ask or imagine. He's able to do far more today. So bring Him your, your expectations. There it is. Bring God your expectation and your imagination right now. And let's believe God to meet us today. Build this altar. We are meeting God this morning.
We are meeting God right now in this place.